Hey everybody, I'm Joe Leonard. And I'm Matt Van Slot. And this is Two Boys and a Bible. Today we are jumping into 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 25. We have a really cool podcast planned for today because basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to be um, walking through 1 Peter 1, 17 through 25, but also while we were studying this text, we found out that it really paralleled another passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 18. So yeah, so I hope you guys are all excited for just the podcast. I hope you're you're really excited to, to catch up on finishing chapter 1 with us. We'll be finishing in its entirety chapter 1 today. So Matt, you have any, any words of beginning? I no no words. I'm just really excited. It would be cool to finish finish up chapter one and to keep going on. I'm I'm loving it. Sweet deal. Sweet deal. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna read um, the first the first chunk there? Yeah. And then. Yeah. So I'll I'll read verses seventeen through twenty one. Okay. Okay. And if you invoke as father him who judges each one impartially according to his deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, that like of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest at the end of the times for your sake. Through him you have confidence in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So let's dive into it. We, we start, it starts off, and it actually starts off with a pretty interesting um, statement that that is really applicable, and, and I think we all need to kind of stop for a moment and kind of take note of this. Um, and this will really set us up for the rest of the text and also for the parable that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. It says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your stay here. Now, what Peter's basically saying is, okay, you call... God, your father, or in um, in other words, it would be Abba, father, as Jesus called called the father, right? Abba, father, daddy almost, right? And so typically um, we know that that fathers on earth, sometimes kids might look at their fathers and say, yes, okay, uh, he's my my daddy, so therefore he loves me unconditionally. There's nothing I can do to lose his love. And that's true. That's true with God. But we also need to notice that if you call him his father who judges impartially, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your stay here. Yes, he is our daddy, but we also need to remember that God is our judge. He's not just our daddy. He's also our judge. And if he's also our judge, then we cannot just go through life saying, ah, he'll forgive that. Ah, he'll forgive that. I can I can live kind of however I feel like. I can, a brother wrongs me, I can wrong him back. I don't need to love the brothers like he, like, like he loved me. 
I don't need to treat everyone like that. I don't need to love God and love people like God's commanded me to, right? Because those two sum up yeah. the whole law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so kind Gives of— Gives a sneak what, peek to the to the second half. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, so that's the first verse. Um, conduct yourself with fear. So we need to be walking in with this sense of awe and wonder and fear at who God is knowing that he is not just our daddy. He's also our judge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He says this, or at least last week we went over this a little bit. He said, gird up your, your minds or gird up the loins of your minds. Right. So, so be, be sober in this, in this reality of who you are, this reality of who God is, right. He is merciful. He's also, he's also the almighty judge. Right. And he said, and if you invoke as father, him who judges each one impartially according to his deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. Um, he then goes on to say, you know that you were ransomed from the futile ways. And I think, I think it's amazing though, that Peter uses the, the word ransom. Ransom is, is a very specific word, right? What happens when something's ransomed? It's taken and it's like demanded of a price, right? When someone's like kidnapped almost and they demand that this person is paid and then they'll give that back, right? That's what a ransom is. Um, and so Peter, Peter there, there's, I, I think that there's like a couple questions. So what are they being ransomed from? They were ransomed. You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers. Um, right before this, he, he mentioned that these were Gentiles. They inherited the ways of their fathers. They were raised up in Gentile communities. And so, essentially, you were ransomed from the life of Christ to live a life of the world. So you were ransomed by the world, and God is buying you back into his world, right? Mm-hmm. Born uh, to buying you back to a life of Christ, a life uh, uh, essentially to be, to be in heaven with God. And so, and then the question is, what were you bought back with? If you were ransomed, what were you bought back with? And he says... You were not bought back with perishable things like silver or gold. You were bought back with the precious blood of, of Christ. This is amazing. Um, oh man, maybe we should read that parable now because this, the, I, I feel like it's so hard to comprehend the weight and the, the cost of, of, I mean, of blood. But then again, the, the, the cost and the price of the blood of Christ is even way different. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go right to it then. Matthew uh, chapter 18. Um, and we'll start in verse 21. So uh, it's actually really interesting. Uh, I think Peter might have actually been thinking of this parable when he was writing this section, um, because it's Peter that actually is introduces this parable in a sense, because he he prompts Jesus to um, to tell this parable. And so starting in verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Jesus, Lord, how often shall I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Mm-hmm. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of that debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved, and came and reported to their lord all that had happened. Then, summoning him, his lord said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. This is a powerful, powerful parable. And one of the things that we see right off the get-go is that this slave owed his master 10,000 talents. Now, I did, I did a few. I typed on the keys a little bit. And I did some research on um, the great Google, the all-knowing Google. And I, and I asked Google, I said, Google, how much is 10,000 talents in today's money? And I got two answers. And the answer fell somewhere between three and a half billion dollars and four and a half billion dollars. Now, I I I just want you to um to think about this. Let's say, let's say uh, um, this slave. Let's say he has a really really great relationship with his master, right? Or let's say before they had a they had a really bad relationship, right? He owed him. Three and a half, four billion dollars, um, <clears throat> and he falls on his face. He pleads with his master, and his master, having such pity, having such love, having such compassion, forgives him that tremendous amount of money. And then, for the next month or so, the next two, three months, they start to really build this really great relationship, right? So now he starts to walk around and he and he and he feels like he has a great relationship with this guy, you know, almost like a father, a father figure relationship to him. Um, and he starts to feel really good about his relationship. And then all of a sudden there's this fellow slave that that one of his slaves that walks by him and he looks at him and he goes, that guy owes me a hundred denarii, which isn't a small amount of work. Um <clears throat> I've heard that a hundred denarii is 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 a few months um, work worth of work. It's somewhere around five thousand um, dollars. So it's not it's not a small amount of money, but it's nothing in comparison to four billion dollars. Okay, that he was forgiven, and so he's walking around and he sees his 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 slave 
And he goes, you owe me $5,000. Give it to me now. Mm. Okay. He's forgotten what his, what his, his, his master has done for him. And he's gotten too much in the mindset that this, this, my master is a father figure to me, which is why Peter reminds us here, right? He says, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your stay here, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile way inherited from your forefathers, right? We need to conduct ourselves with fear, knowing that we were purchased with such a price. I don't know. I don't have any concept of how huge three or four billion dollars sounds, but that is more money than I could actually comprehend unless yeah. I'm like Jeff Bezos or something. Yeah. Either way, the the point of it is that the blood of Christ is far more valuable. Well, first of all, our lives are far more valuable than that. And Peter wants us to know that. And even more than that, the blood of Christ is even more valuable than that. Um, P- Peter compares it. He parallels it, actually. He ties it together with... Um, the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And so he takes us, just like the past couple of verses, down a little trip down memory of lane for, um, for the, those Jewish people. Um, and so the, the history with the unblemished land comes from the Passover, right? The Passover feast, where the tradition was to take an unblemished, a spotless lamb, and to sacrifice it. And to put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost, and then way the um, the angel of destruction, really the devil, won't come and kill your firstborn son. So, in some sense, you're you're you were forgiven. You would be like delivered of of whatever punishment was coming towards you. And so, just like us being ransomed, that blood of Christ, we are delivered from that. And that shouldn't be taken lightly because, first of all, our lives are so valuable. Our souls are so valuable. And that's something that we have a very hard time comprehending, or at least I do. Um, and so this comparison, it's kind of easier to imagine a huge, unimaginable sum of money. A sum of money where we probably will never have because it is so, it's not even like humanly, you, you can never spend $3 billion dollars. Maybe a nation or a government could spend $3 billion, but a person can never spend $3 billion. And we are worth more than that. And Christ's blood is worth far more than that. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think of that, you know, and I don't think Christ or Jesus at this time, he was saying 10,000 talents to put a number on it. I think he was just saying, you know, in um, another, another place, right? Just, just like Peter was saying, hey, should I forgive my, my friend seven times, right? You can, you can calculate seven times um jesus said no forgive them 70 times seven which mm. when you calculate that out that's 490 times 490 times you're literally what jesus is saying is forgive them without end and so it's the exact same thing that that this this um king did he forgave his servant of an unpayable number. It doesn't matter if it's 10,000 talents, 8,000 talents, 20,000 talents. It is an insane amount of money that could never, ever be paid back. That is insane. Another thing with the, with the, the blood of, or of, of the lamb. So what was it? During the, in the city of Jerusalem, during the Passover feast, I think 
there was one time where it was recorded how many lambs were slaughtered for the Passover feast. What was it? It was somewhere over 200,000. What do you remember the number, Joe? It was I it was 256,000 lambs. 256,000 lambs. Enough lambs where it was said that the blood was flowing like a river through the city. And Jesus's blood is worth even more than that. For us, that might not mean a lot, but for, for these Jewish people, that, that is an insane. That, that was extremely symbolic, 256,000 lambs, and just the blood of one, um, the blood of Jesus outweighs even that. Mm. I like how he compares it. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Okay, so that that knocks out silver or gold completely. Like, it's not even like silver or gold could have paid for it, no matter how much there was. The entire mm-hmm. world could be filled with gold, and it could be trillions upon trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. The, the fact that it's gold, it, it, it's worth nothing. You were you were bought back. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. And and I just want to think, you know, if if we were to place a a Christ figure in this parable that that we that we read in, Ma- in Matthew chapter eighteen, you know, literally what what we could do is we could place a Christ figure there, and we have this man who owed this insane amount of money, and we say and and. And the king goes, you know what? But I'm going to take that debt off of you, and I'm going to place it on my son. My son is now going to have to owe me this $4 billion. And the man goes scotch-free, right? And then he, he runs into one of his fellow slaves. And what does he do? He doesn't forgive him. That's insane. It's literally insane. By the way, it sounds insane because it's it's money that they're talking about in the parable, but it's insane the way that we, I mean, it's symbolic of the way that we forgive or don't forgive. And we forgive about, we don't forgive about things that are equally as insane, but they're harder to realize because they're not, you can't put a number to them, right? And so... Like if someone wrongs you or annoys you or a pet peeve gets to you or something and you and this like starts eating away and you don't forgive them or I might not be explaining it well, but I think that we all kind of have these things where they make us angry for no reason and we don't forgive them to kind of like put it Mm. simply. And it is insane that we don't forgive them. Mm. The huge debt that we have been forgiven already. Okay. Yeah. All right, so verse 22, Amon. Yeah. All right, so verse 22, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seeds, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. And so here we have the same kind of idea, 
right? Continuing the parable, it says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And we know we know all this points back to the, the beginning, right? And if you call him his father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your stay here, right? And so we have we have here in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Why? We have been born again. And so the whole idea, right, it, it, it's linking back to this parable in Matthew chapter 18. And we have this man who was forgiven this extraordinary debt. He goes, finds his fellow servant who owes him $5,000. And he grabs him and he shakes him and he says, you need to pay me back what you owe me. What, what is he not doing? He is not loving his fellow brother. He's loving himself. He's in love with self. He's not following the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Love forgives. You know, I, we have a great um, verse in James. Okay. James chapter 2, verse 13 says, For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you see what it says there? It says, Judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. We have a command to love our brothers. We have a command to show mercy to our brothers here. And in fact, James says, if we don't show mercy, if we if we refuse and hold back mercy, we will be judged so strongly, just like this man in Matthew chapter 18. I mean, he was he was forgiven such a huge debt. But at the end, what does it say? And his Lord Munger handed over to torturers until he should repay all that was owed him, which would never happen. Judgment will be merciless to those who show no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. And so we need to remember that he is, God is our father first. But if we respond to our brothers, if we regard Christ's blood as nothing, we look at his blood that was spilled for us and we walk away from it and say, I don't care that you forgave me that much. My brother owes me this much. Mm. Judgment will be merciless. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, we need to love one another earnestly from a pure heart since we have been born again. And then again, not by perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And all of this points back to the word of God. We've been born again through this living word and we need to be dwelling on this living word we need to be meditating on it chewing on it because that's how we remember faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of god we want to be grounded and rooted in truth we want to love our brothers from a pure heart we need to be born from the word well that's amazing one yeah so i, I guess this this last part for me it tied back Right, all the way back to verse three, where he talks about being born anew, because he even uses those same words 
in 23, you have been born anew, not of the perishable seed, but of imperishable. And so just like one little thing I got out of it was that um, in this world where there's people who we think are kind of against us, right, in the, in the working world, in the business world, in, in all these things, it's kind of us against them. But that doesn't or it shouldn't happen in your family. And so he's really, really calling us to be born truly into the family of Christ. And mm-hmm. then after we're in the family, he says to love sincerely and love intensely. Truly love, like actually love your brother. Your brother being your fellow Christian, your, not even that, just like anybody in this world. You're called to love, period. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I, I see Peter kind of, kind of stating this right moving from hey god is not just our 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 father he's our he's our judge as well right moving to the worth that that was that was paid for us the precious blood of jesus christ and then dear children love love earnestly love like you have been born again because you have been born again when we are forgiven this immense debt, it ought to transform us. And 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 again, Peter has been going on with this theme throughout throughout all of First Peter about how we are transformed. We are transformed because we are fixating our hope on eternity. We are transformed in the fact that as we fixate our hope on eternity, we are becoming holy like God is holy. And now we are transformed in that we are loving our brethren. We are loving them earnestly because we have been forgiven an incredible, incredible debt. And therefore, we want to permeate that to the rest of the world. Mm. Beautiful beautiful that was good yeah no that was good by the way if anyone is looking for something to pray with this is something that that kind of um hit me just like the idea of a pure and a good sacrifice the way that jesus sacrificed um you could read over psalm 51 it it just talks about how god really doesn't ask for these sacrifices but he wants a clean heart right create a clean heart create for me oh god yeah okay Amen. Amen. Hey, it was great. It was great. Um, Great talking to you, Matt. It was awesome talking to you too, Joe. So, all right. Until next time. Until next time.